Welcome to a Star Wars Story Podcast, a podcast honoring the stories of Star Wars, the characters within them, and the people who love them. Today, we will be discussing Empire Strikes Back in all its majesty and try to figure out just what makes this movie so great. Hey guys, I'm your host, Brooklyn. And I'm your other host, Delaney. And yeah, today we're talking about Empire Strikes Back. We're excited. Yes, we are. I am very excited I am very open about this being my favorite Star Wars movie. I know that it's, like, generally a favorite amongst a lot of people, um, and we will discuss that, why it is so revered, why it is the go-to if you're discussing your favorite Star Wars movie. Um, But before we get into that, as of today, the day that we're recording this, the 10th of September 2019, we are currently looking at 100 days left until the rise of Skywalker. So, yep. Which, um, like, on one hand seems like, like, a, like a pretty big number. Like, oh, that's still pretty far away. But then, like, you really think about it and you're like, oh, no, it's not. It's, like, it's, it's like yeah. almost here. It's, like, right around the corner. So, you know. Yeah, th- that's, like, so fast. I... I actually can't believe that it's going to be here in 100 days. I I just know that how life is and everything, that's just going to pass so fast. Like, the next thing I know, it's going to be here. So, I'm just going to try and enjoy, you know, these yeah. months that we have with the I content we're going to be getting. I just what 100 getting. days ago was, and it was June 2nd. Like, that was yesterday. Oh, my see i'm telling you like it's gonna pass by so fast like and basically once october 4th comes once october 4th gets here and we get all those like tie-in novels for force friday oh boy like it's gonna be here i know it's gonna be here so quickly and i cannot believe it um but yeah so 100 days until we get the rise of skywalker buckle in you guys um we're like getting there we're like getting ready for the long haul soon we're gonna start getting like actual trailers and like content and then like press content (gasps) and like oh okay okay but give us give us another episode of what's in the box you cowards please please. the other day i was having a bad day and it was kind of like a generally bad day for everyone on the star wars twitter and i just went and i watched Gwendolyn Christie and John Boyega doing What's in the Box, and then I tweeted it out, and I was like, everyone needs to watch this mo- this video today, because y'all need to, like, cleanse yourselves, and it's just the best video, like, perhaps of all time. Like, it's just so good. It's it so, so good. It's like comfort food in the form of a video. It's so- Oh my god, can you imagine like- Adam Driver doing What's in the Box? <laughs> Oh my god. Please give it to me right now. Give it to me right now. He's just like such a cool and collected person. Like he like, 
he like takes everything like in stride that like I just almost can't even imagine him like having any kind of reaction he'd just be like all right I'll put my hand in like if that's all you want me to do is just like put my hand in the box like okay and then like I'm just also with someone crazy and then they'll yeah <laughs> this is amazing. I it's so funny because we're getting to, like obviously we all know that he's super talented but it's just so funny to me that he's actually in like a handful of serious movies coming out soon and like he'll be doing press for those and then for star wars they're gonna be like okay so you're gonna go and you're gonna do this thing where you stick your hand in this box and uh right. try to guess what it is by feeling it and he's like okay like right? are you like, sure they don't he... want to just like interview me <laughs> like he had two, like he had two different films that premiered at the toronto film festival international film festival like last week like he's like a serious top-notch actor and like all of these directors are like adam driver is the most talented person i've ever worked with like martin scorsese was like he is the best actor of his generation all of these things and then we're just like all right come to a star war we're gonna get real silly real fast <laughs> <laughs> yes it's so funny it's so good i it's so great i just am so excited for it and I'm honestly, like, I'm glad that he's one of those people that can take it in stride and just can have fun with it when he needs to. Um, right. Because you've, I've seen him, I mean, we've all seen him get a lot more comfortable when it comes to being interviewed and doing press, which is great, obviously, because he's doing a lot more now because of all these projects he's in. But, yeah, I just want to see him do something silly like that. Also, another thing that I just cannot believe that they had him in I just, like, and, like, so many people who are in it, I was just, like, the fact that you got all of these people to just be, like, sure, I'm gonna do this, is that iconic, and if you don't know what I'm talking about and I reference this, please go look it up immediately, because it's amazing, but it's this clip of basically the entire cast, pre the release of The Force Awakens, on Jimmy Fallon, like, humming different themes, like, <laughs> of the movies, and it's pre- Pre-Force Awakens, so Carrie Fisher's in it, but they have, like, Harrison Ford in it, like, Oscar Isaac, it's John Boyega, like Daisy Ridley. It's, my video <laughs> ever. I love it so much. Yes, it, it's so, literally so good, and Adam Driver's in that, too, and it's just, like, how did they get him to agree to this? Like, I him and Harrison that. Ford are both in it, and I'm just like, how? How are, right? how? How did they say, like, sure? Like, so, if you haven't seen that, please go watch it. It's so funny, but just a reminder that He's not always serious. He's willing to, you know, laugh and joke around and be silly. Um, so my favorite is when interviewers like try to get him to like spoil something in Star Wars. Like he just has perfected the like, oh, d am I in a Star Wars? I was not aware. Like he just d does this like extreme deflection whenever anyone tries to like get a spoiler out of him. And he was like, oh, I is Han Solo my thought? Like it will like. In interviews for The Last Jedi, he was like, oh, Han Solo's my dad? Oh, like, okay, cool. I mean, so you say. Literally. Like, just so, like, oh, it's my favorite thing. Like, people, like, I don't know why people even try anymore to, like, get spoilers out of people. But, yeah, he's just like, oh, I did oh, I'm in Star Wars. Good to know. So you say. Yeah. Like, I love you. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's so, it's so, so good. Um, but yeah, I can't wait for that, um, promotional content coming out in the extremely near future. 
Um, so I'm going to have to consume all of it ASAP. And I know there's people who wait to consume that until after they've seen the movie to avoid any spoilers, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to resist. So probably going to have to, like, watch at least a few of those clips as they air. Yeah, I don't know what I want to do in terms of, like, spoil Because, like, I don't like spoilers at all. Like, I don't want any spoilers. Like, I don't, like, obviously I want to watch, like, the trailers and stuff. But, not like, I don't like, spo- like, I'm not the person who goes and, like, looks for leaks. I don't like spoilers. But also, like, I don't, like, muting doesn't work on Twitter. Like, it's, Twitter is dumb and it nope. never actually mutes the things that you want to be muted. So, like, I don't even try anymore, honestly, to, like, mute things that I think are gonna be, like, spoilery for Star Wars. So, like, I'm just hoping I don't follow anybody who tweets about spoilers. But then, like, yeah, I, like, I'm, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm gonna watch the interviews. I, like, I, I, we're, I mean, I'm gonna, <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah, obviously. We'll like, obviously. Yeah. Like, you no, think they absolutely. have enough self-control to not? Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> I, absolutely not. I wish I did, but we're, let's be realistic. No. Um, no. So, that's our little bit of pre-episode news, I guess, or conversation, if you will. Um, but... Yeah, just excitement for Tross, excitement for the promo content, excitement for Adam Driver coming out of his cave to do interviews. So, um, we love. we're just gen- generally excited. Um, we're, but today's we're topic people. is yes, yes, absolutely. Um, but today's topic is Empire Strikes Back. Like I said previously, it is my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, not like it's a, not like there's like a huge gap in between that and any other. It's not like crazy far ahead of anything, but it is my favorite. I find myself returning to it a lot. Um, but just to open up, we basically, the opening is like a super stark contrast to the previous movie, just in like a planetary sense, like completely, completely contrasting. Um... We're in, like, a snowy, cold environment. We're on Hoth. So, that's, like, already setting the scene for, like, this is... We're transitioning. This is a new... This is a this is a new part of the story. We're, you know, opening up a new scene. Um, and I really... I love everything about this. Like, I love all the outfits. I love the scenery. I love the base. Like... I, I love the creatures. I really, really, really like the opening. Um, and obviously, like, Leia's outfit on Hoth is my favorite. And I love Every, it. And it looks so thing. good. Every single outfit that <laughs> any of the trio wears in this yes. movie. I won't, yes. include, I won't include Lando in this. Is is their, like, most iconic looks. Like, it's just so... Like, Hoth Leia, like... It's amazing. It's so good. Like, she's yes, just in so good. her, like, power jumpsuit. Like, she's ready to command. Yep. Like, yep. you have, like, Han with the jacket and, like, the, oh, it's so good. But then you also have, like, Bess and so Leia good. with, like, the red, like, yes. pantsuit and the white. Oh, my God. I just, mm, so good. And, like, Luke's, yeah. like, training, like, grayish training outfit is just 
perfect. Yes. Like, yes. Man, man. The yeah. costume design really just yeah, I, did wonders for all of us. Yeah, honestly, like, the costume design really snapped in this movie. Like, it was really, really oh, yeah. good. Um, yeah, every all of these looks are iconic. Um, I know that, you know, in a lot of cases when people think of Leia, they think of A New Hope Leia. I personally think of ESB Leia, particularly in the Hoth Leia outfit. That is my favorite version of Leia. So I love that outfit and that look for her and, like, her hair and, like, that, you know, that little, like, crown braid and just, like, everything is so so good. It's so good. Um, Also, really getting to see, like, the proportions and the size of Carrie Fisher in this movie is kind of crazy. (laughs) Um, Oh, goodness. When they're in that hallway scene and, like, they're just, like, standing (laughs) flat-footed, like, against each other. Like, she's so much shorter than Harrison Ford. Like, Carrie Fisher is just so small. Like... I love her she so is much. So tiny. And she's just so tiny. And like it makes all <laughs> of the like feisty like fire that Leia has like that much better that she's just this like tiny person who's just like, yeah, I'll fuck you up. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't care oh that my I'm gosh. like maybe five feet. <laughs> yeah, she's such a spitfire. I love I love her so much. Her energy is so good and it's part of the reason that I love Leia and Carrie so much is just the complete like commandeering attitude. Like, I'm here, I know what I'm talking about, I'm in charge, let's do this. Like, do you have like any questions? No. Like just like completely just like I've got this handled and I love that so much and you see it so much in this movie, I mean, you see it in A New Hope, but you see it so much in this movie. So much. And it's so good. Um, one of... We would be remiss if we didn't talk about the first kiss in this movie. Um, which... Um, <laughs> like, I guess we can label it the incest kiss for now. But, um... You're the- Here's my thing, is that, like, what is the truth, i.e., like, <laughs> wait, wait, what? how much did, like, how long did you know that Luke and Leia were brother and sister? Because, like, okay, fair. George says, like, he knew the whole time, or at least, like, tail end of production of, like, A New Hope, and it's like, if, if so... Then why, in God's name, would you have her kiss somebody that you know is her brother? Why? Yeah, yeah, I, there was literally, we hadn't, we haven't even watched ESB yet, but I was watching A New Hope with some friends. I tweeted about it, um, I think it was like a week ago or so. Um, but I showed a few of my friends, um, A New Hope for the first time, and towards the end, one of them was like, so are Luke and Leia, like, the main love interests of these movies? And I just, like, sat there, like, we haven't even seen Empire Strikes Back yet. Like, we literally have not even seen it yet. Like, like, I'm like, what? Like, how, like, I don't, it's, but it's so interesting for me because that's a perspective from someone who has no knowledge of Star Wars at all. Right. So... 
So it's like, maybe it does come across this way, but we're, we're all so in our little bubble of like, this is so crazy because like, we know how it ends, but like, for someone right. who's never seen it, like, that, I guess, apparently is what comes across in some cases. Right? Like, because we, like, and here's the thing is, like, it, again, it, you, it's not Empire Strikes Back. Like, it's not until Return of the Jedi that it's, like, no, these two are twins. Like, these two are brother and sister. So, like, can you even, like, imagine, like, if, because, like, it's a said, like, I, I mean, and I was, we'll, we'll get more into this later in the episode but we were looking at like some of the initial like reactions to empire strikes back and one of the things that people were like upset about or like didn't necessarily like about the movie is that it like gave the quote-unquote love triangle like a definitive like answer or ending when there's still another movie like that was something that people yeah. did they were like well there's the love trial of like luke leia and han and like you obviously, like, she chose Han. Like, you see her choose Han. Like, in... Like, it just gives a definitive answer to who she's choosing in, like, the end of the second movie when there's going to be three movies. And, like, like literally people thought it was a love triangle. And, like, that's how they viewed it. And, like, if you if you just think about, like, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back together, like... I mean, it ends with, like, Han and Carbonite and, like, Luke and Leia together. So, like, if that was, like, who you wanted to get together in 1980, like, the door wasn't closed? Like? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, can you imagine someone in 1980 who, like, wanted Luke and Leia to get together and be like, look, like, Han left. This gives Luke and Leia time. Like, they can bond. They got left together. And then, like, the next movie, you find out that they're brother and sister. Um, <laughs> like, so, yeah. Like, what the fuck yeah. is Lucas? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah. And I love, I love how in this movie, specifically, I mean, I know we're talking about Luke and Leia, but we also have to... There is a third piece of the puzzle, which is Han, the third part of the trio. And I love that we get to see um, him in this movie. And I really like to see how... We get, we honestly... Like, he's in A New Hope, clearly, but we really get to focus on his character and his character development in this movie. Um, and... This really is the tie, this is the tie that is, like, showing us that he's not as um, selfish as he makes himself out to be or proclaims himself to be. Mm -hmm. um, this is where we really get to see that in this movie. And I know that we're not talking about Solo and we never talk about Solo, but I do want to mention that quote of him, you know, he's like, I'm an outlaw, like, you know, all, like, I'm, I'm the bad guy. And Kira's like, no, you're the good guy. No, you're the good guy. And, yeah, and it's like, he is a good guy. And he doesn't think of himself as a good guy. He's like, no, I'm a smuggler. I'm this, like, bad guy. And it's like, but he constantly is doing things that would make him the good guy. He's constantly helping out his friends. He's doing things for other people. And he does, like, grow into that role, of course. Like, he doesn't start out really in that role. But 
Yeah, like this I is love like that we, we really... don't see it as much. Like we kind of see it in Empire Strikes Back, but like really only like in the last you know couple of minutes when like Han comes back at the very end, kind of thing. But like that's kind of all we see of like this heart of gold. It's more just like you know he's like a funny character and but like you don't really see like there's like a truly like good person underneath until we get yeah. to empire strikes back and it's one of those things where like people are always like oh we'll judge someone by what they're doing not what they're saying and like usually that's like in a bad way like if somebody's like saying like oh i'm such a great person and then they're you know doing like really shitty things or something but like with han like han's the kind of person who's like I don't care about anyone. Like, I just care about myself. Like, I'm just trying to save my own skin. Like, I don't have any connections to anybody. Like, I'm a lone wolf. Like, this is, like, Han's whole, like, not just, like, internal monologue. Like, he's, like, shouting this to everyone. Like, (laughs) while doing, like, while trying to save people that he loves. Like, he's literally, like, dragging Leia away, like, from, like, trying to save her and he's like i don't care about you also you need to be on a transport before i can leave this place (laughs) like he doesn't even like that's what i realized when i was watching it this time around was like at first like getting leia onto the falcon is plan b like he's just trying to get her onto a transport and make sure that she leaves because he knows leia and he knows that leia like We'll stay until the very end, even if she ends up, like, captured by the Empire again. And he's like, no, you're going to get on a transport. And then when, like, the ceiling collapses, he's like, all right, well, you're going on the Falcon with me. Because you're getting out of here one way or another. Uh, Like, he plays it off, like, so nonchalantly. But I'm like, do you see what you're doing here? Like, (laughs) you are risking your life. When, like, you have a perfectly good transport that you could have just hopped on and got away on. And, like, is just, I just love. And I, he just has, like, the biggest heart. And, like, he's one of those people where, like, he might not necessarily, like, have an open heart to everyone. But he's one of those people where, like, if you make your way into his heart, like, oh, you're there forever. Like, he will die for you. And he will, like, save you, even while trying to say, like, I don't care about anyone. And it's just, oh. Yes. It's so good. It's so good. It's so pure. I love him so much. And, yeah, I really like that we get to see him grow, even while he, even in the midst of him thinking that he's not growing, that he's not, that he still is a selfish person. I love, I love it so much. I love it. And I'm so glad that we get that in this movie. I'm glad that we get that, that specific character development. Um, we also see Luke as a literal baby in this movie, like a, an actual just, little well, baby. He's just so cute in this movie. Like, I know. he just has a little baby face, and, like, all of his outfits are just so cute. I was, oh, I just, I, oh my love, God. I love my little baby Luke. He's so cute. I know, he looks so cute and little and small in this movie. I love it so much. Also, just, like, him just, like, trying to learn, like, how to use a lightsaber is just, like, so good. <laughs> like, right? It's, just, it's so funny to me. I... Like, oh my gosh, it's it it gets me. It really gets me. Like, cause he's just so, he he just is genuinely, like, learning so many things for the first time, and you can really see that. Like, I mean, he 
obviously, like, has a, like, natural ability for it, but he still is just thrown, he's thrust into this world that he, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, this wasn't in my life yesterday, and now this is my life now. Like, this is, this, I guess this is my life now. Like, I guess I'm learning how to be a Jedi. Like, I was on Tatooine yesterday, and now I'm here in Mos Eisley with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Han Solo and Chewbacca, and we're going to rescue Princess Leia, and now I'm becoming a Jedi. Like, just the dramatic shift of his life is so interesting to me, and how we really get to see him grow into this role in this movie, um, with the training and with everything that he goes through in this movie, it's so interesting because he's just like trying, in some ways, just trying to catch his breath and trying to get on his feet. Like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing now. Yeah. It's so, it's so, in, it's so interesting to me. Like, it, cause I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that he didn't have an actual ability cause he totally does. But at the same time, you know, there are things you still have to learn. Like, you have a natural ability, but there's still, like, training involved. And I think that's really interesting that we get to see that, where he's just genuinely trying to learn from from Yoda of, like, all people, honestly. Like, just, I don't know. Um, yeah. No, I think, I think, like, Luke, I think it's really interesting to me just because, like, a New Hope, Luke, is very much, you know, he is. He's, like, thrown into the, you know, thrown into this giant war, into this giant battle, and is kind of, like, finding his place in all of this. But, like, we don't see him, like, other than in, like, Obi-Wan's hut, like, we don't see Luke use a lightsaber in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't really see him, like, as a Jedi. Like, he doesn't, he hasn't really, like, accepted that role or even you know what that role looks like at all. And, like, Empire Strikes Back, like, he still is in the thick of it, but, like, the whole time that he's with Yoda is very much just, like, almost like a breather where he can, like, go off and be, like, what like figure out like what does it mean to be a jedi like what what do i have to do like how do i like do this training like and what what exactly does that look like for me and i think it's just really interesting because like the rest of the movie is like high key chaotic but like and yoda and luke's sequences definitely are have a chaotic element to them but they're just so much more like peaceful like you get that like more meditative like trying to figure out how to use the force how we don't really see like actual lightsaber training um but like how to be a jedi and how to use the force in a way that is like maybe not even correct but like how luke needs to like define himself as a jedi especially without like a jedi order or like a like known structure that he has to go off of and i just think it's really interesting the way that his like empire strikes back story like plays out especially as it's like book like bookended by like being with his friends and fighting for his friends like his whole middle part of his story in empire strikes back is very like much more like introspective which i find really interesting yeah absolutely um yeah i i really really like i mean i'm not the biggest luke stan like i'm just like i i I appreciate the journey of the character i appreciate the character it's not my like cup of tea per se but this movie really really like 
rope really ropes me into the story of this character. Um, just because we get to see there's so like this this movie. I don't. I guess I'm just really like a sucker for like character development because this movie we get to see so much for so many different characters and I just really 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 love that. Um, I also am like not discreet about my love for the music in Star Wars and oh. we would also be remiss if we didn't mention. <laughs> Just, like, the fact that the Han Leia theme just, like, just slaps you in the face, like, when you're, like, when you're, like, okay, like, I'm already in my feels, and then it just comes out of nowhere and just, like, hits you, and you're, oh. like, oh my god, like, like, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> it is so, like, uh, just with Empire Strikes Back, like, John Williams just pulled out, like, all of the punches. Like, we get the Han Leia theme. This is the first time we hear, like, the Imperial March, like, classic Darth Vader's theme like it's not in A New Hope like it starts right here and like yes it like just and you get Yoda's theme which is one of the most beautiful themes um in Star Wars and just like it's all just so good and yes oh it's amazing it's yes just John Williams just I mean I'm pretty sure we've talked about how much we love John Williams in every single episode (laughs) Yes. But it's it's no less true than it was the last time we said it. So Yeah. I mean I do also want to say on the subject of John Williams, um there is a new um like album out. It's by John Williams and her name is Anne Sophie Mutter. She's a vinyl she's a violinist and her the entire album is just um like what are they called arrangements of john williams work and but like her her as the violinist is the like um like at the forefront like it's arranged so that like it's her solo because that's her uh, album obviously but they have um there are four different tracks on there i mean it's from all of john williams work so it has stuff from like harry potter and like memoirs of a geisha and schindler's list but the tracks that she covers from um star wars are ray's theme yoda's theme across the stars from attack of the clones and luke and leia from return of the jedi and like i honestly cried when i listened to it so like i will just i will highly recommend the album itself is called across the stars um but yeah if you guys love john williams and his score of star wars as much as we do i will highly recommend that album yes Yes. Go go support go support up and coming artist John Williams, please. Yes. He needs Um, your support. If you can go follow him on Spotify, it'd be great. (laughs) Yeah, go go give him those much needed streams. Okay. Um um, but yeah, I he is integral to Star Wars. It Star Wars cannot be Star Wars without John Williams. So that theme and Leia's theme and so many others are just integral to the story and that just really ties everything together especially in the moment um 
Another character who we get to see a lot of in this movie is none other than Yoda. It's your boy Yoda. Um, I really have never been, like, a huge, huge fan of Yoda. I mean, like, I'm not saying I don't like Yoda because I like Yoda. He's just never been on, like, the top of my um, hierarchy list. But Yoda is, like, if... I just can't imagine, like... Like, I really need to, like, watch Empire Strikes Back with my friends who I showed A New Hope to because I really just want to see their faces when they're watching this scene of, like, Luke, like, ending up on Dagobah and, like, finding Yoda because Yoda is just wilding out, like, completely wilding out. Like, just, he's, like, on one, like, in this scene. I don't... Honestly. I'm like, okay, what, like, because I have heard people, like, argue both sides of the theory, but... Do you think that, like, Yoda is really, like, is he, like, putting on a front for Luke? Because I've heard people make that argument where it's, like, he knows that Luke is coming. Like, he, you know, because Obi-Wan would have told, like, he's in tune and up with the Force and with Obi-Wan and whatnot. That, like, he knows that, he knows who Luke is. He knows why he's coming. And is it kind of, like, a test sort of thing like seeing what his patience is like is it one of those things where because i mean he does literally annoy the annoy luke to the point where he's like getting angry and like luke does we haven't really seen luke get like angry in that same way until now and so is it like a are you gonna be like your father who is very like famously lost his cool and killed everyone or are you like or are you teachable like your dad i thought your dad was too old to teach and you are like probably decades older than him like so (laughs) or is it like i've also heard the theory of like he has just been in isolation for so long that he's kind of gone a little crazy and like the like it takes like oh like it takes Luke being there for a minute to him for him to like remember what's going on again. What do you think? I <clears throat> I think it's kind of a mixture of both, but I think it's like I think it's part him maybe trying to psych Luke out, but then I also think that that comes from him being in isolation. So I think that him being in isolation kind of fuels it, and I think it might distort his perception of, like, what is the right way to, like, handle this situation. Like, because he's been alone for so long, he's just kind of, like, totally, like, unaware of, like, how to maybe, like, present himself. And so, like, in doing so, now it's just, like, he has, like, no... He doesn't understand, like, how to really, like, connect, like with Luke because he's been alone right. for so long. So I think I think they kind of work hand in hand, but I think it ultimately stems from the isolation. Um but yeah, it's just very interesting. Like it's so interesting. And I I just love to like his interaction. Like it's not just Luke. Like R2D2 is there too. So yeah. can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> because like I mean, again, we have said many a time that, like, the concept of there being, like, a very strict continuity between the prequels and the original trilogy 
George Lucas kind of threw out the window. Like he like there were definite salient details that he just truly did not care about trying to keep straight. But like Yoda knows Luke. I mean, like Yoda knows R2D2. Like we have like many, which like is even after the prequel trilogy, but like we have many instances in Clone Wars of like Yoda and R2 like together on adventure. Like he knows R2D2 and like Luke understands R2D2. So it's not like Luke's out here being like, what the fuck? I know this guy. Why are we here? Why, why are you like this now? Like he's obviously not telling Luke. So like, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like, well, actually, I guess they do know each other and they just never addressed it right now. But yeah, it's just funny because, you know, George Lucas and continuity and all those fun things. <laughs> yes. And basically after that, we get one of my favorite, 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 favorite scenes in Star Wars, like all of Star Wars, which is the scene where we get the first Han and Leia kiss. And... Um, this scene means so much to me like I love this scene so much and I every time it comes on like it's like I'm watching it for the first time and my heart just melts again and just her you know her trying to her trying her absolute hardest despite her obvious attraction to him her trying her hardest to say oh, well, you know, I like nice men and, you know, like, I, you know, I don't like guys like you. Right. And him saying, this like, whole, I, this whole I am... This movie is just, like, Han and Leia both being, like, what are you talking about? I don't care about pe- Like, I don't care... Like, Leia's much less, like, I don't care about people in general, but they're both, like, oh, I don't care about you. Like, what are you talking about? Like, of course I don't have feelings for you. We're just, like, we just happen to keep getting stuck together. And that's very annoying for me. Like... I know it's annoying for all of us. Like, we we all hate to be here while so obviously being in love with each other. <laughs> and it just yes. all comes to a head right here of just being like, um, I like nice men. It's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, bullshit, Leia. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, no, uh, who do you think you're fooling? Like, who exactly do you think you're fooling here? Right. And him, him saying, like, I am nice men, them kissing, and then we get to... The first notable instance of C-3PO being C-3PO in this movie. So, that's like... This is just... Once this moment of him interrupting this moment... Like, once him interrupting this kiss happens, everything for C-3PO just kind of goes downhill. Like, this just continues the trend of C-3PO being, like... I don't know. Like, he's just so... He's just very C-3PO in this movie. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yes. I would say of all the movies, which apparently we're not done with this yet, but out of all the movies, I feel like Empire Strikes Back is C-3PO at his most, like, C-3PO of the movies we have so yes. far. Um, but, yeah, it's just, yeah, he just, he interrupts the kiss, and it's just like, dude, what the fuck? Read the room. Like, hi, why would you do that? And then, you know, the rest of the movie, he, like, keeps getting knocked down. He, like, gets blown apart and has to get put back together again and is, like, only, like, very partial. Like, he, getting C-3PO put back together is, like, so low on everyone's priority list. Like, it only gets done, like, 
like limb at a time and then like they move on to another scene like and it's just mm, i don't know when my brand became like being so annoyed with c-3po all the time but like here we are okay me the like literally how i feel i i don't i think it i think honestly and it's like it's kind of sad to say this but I think it, honestly, for me, it's just, like, inherently tied to, like, Anthony Daniels right now. <laughs> like, like, just, oh, like, wrong. I'm, like, it's just, like, inherently tied to him right now. And, like, I'm sorry about it, but that's just, like, how it is. And I just can't handle him anymore. No, um too much. But, yeah, this is just, this is the first moment of this movie, which there will be more, don't worry, but first moment of this movie where C-3PO is extremely C-3PO, um, (laughs) and kind of just goes downhill from there. Um, another line that I love in this movie is Leia telling Han that she's not a committee. Oh, it's- And- It is such a good line. Just Han being like, we don't have time to discuss this with the committee! And then she like- can we just acknowledge that, like, things are falling apart. Like, the Falcon is not even stable. Like, they are running through the Falcon, like, trying to save their own lives. And they're still, like, bantering with each other. And she's still just, like, she, like, falls against the wall. And then is like, I am not a committee! And I'm just like, you're so in love. So there's that. I know. Just be yeah. aware of that fact. No. You're very in love with each other. <laughs> Yeah, hate to break it to you guys, but y'all are in love. Um, uh, yeah, another, another part, and this is, like, I know we've referenced Solo in this episode, but wouldn't be an episode of this podcast if we didn't talk about the sequel trilogy, obviously. Um, we did spend, like, ten minutes (laughs) at the beginning of the podcast just talking about Adam Driver, but, like, please continue. Well, okay, specifically, like, specifically ties to the sequel, like, parallels, I should say. Um, no, keep going, please. I'm sorry. Parallels. (laughs) Um, but, like, I think it's so interesting, it's so interesting to me how Luke is trained, and how that, it influences, but it also doesn't influence his training with Rey. Like, it, it does and it doesn't, in some ways, and it's really... It's really interesting to see that specifically in the moment where, and and again, you can take this how you will. I mean, obviously, obviously you have to look at, like, the mindset and the state of mind that Yoda and Luke are in and their respective states when we're looking at these parallels. Like, that's obviously, like, relevant. But at the same time, when we see Yoda training Luke, Yoda's like, yeah, sure, go into the cave, see what happens. Like, tr- like figure it out for yourself, see what happens. And when it's reversed and Luke's in the teacher role now and he's teaching Ray, it's like completely off limits, like don't even don't even entertain the idea. And that's so interesting to me. Like it's just so interesting where like in his own it just makes me wonder maybe maybe his opinion of his own training, like maybe he came out of that experience being like, oh, like if the roles were reversed, I wouldn't have encouraged the same, or I don't know, just maybe reflecting on that and thinking, maybe yeah. this isn't the best idea, because it's yeah, so interesting I mean, how it is, like, at, a direct parallel. Yeah, if you're, lo- I mean, if you're looking at Yoda in 
Empire Strikes Back and you're looking at Luke in The Last Jedi, like, they've essentially gone down, like, just inevitably, like, fate brought them down, like, the same path of being, like, the master to an apprentice that they, which I will say that, like, the Yoda to Anakin apprenticeship distance and relationship is a little bit further like because he was you know Anakin was Obi-Wan's Padawan and then Obi-Wan was Qui-Gon's Padawan and then Qui-Gon was Yoda's Padawan? Question mark? Is it Qui-Gon did Yoda? I'm, we're just gonna say that because I don't actually remember if that's a real fact but we're just gonna go with it um but like so we write the canon there's... of Star Wars now we do <laughs> I don't know if you heard, but I am part of the Lucasfilm story group now, so it's I I decide these things. <laughs> um, but so like there is a little bit more distance with that, and we do see Yoda from the which we don't know in Empire Strikes Back, but like we do see that Yoda was very averse to training Anakin from the beginning. Like he always thought it was going to be a bad idea. So I wonder if that's maybe the difference that like Yoda was always like hyper cautious of like Anakin and that like he was always aware that like there was a very great risk of him like going to the dark side and that like he always was very aware of that like temptation and darkness that Anakin had within him and how close Anakin was to succumbing to that at all times like we we see multiple times like we see in Revenge of the Sith we see you know multiple times over the prequel trilogy and in like Clone Wars that like Anakin goes to Yoda at times where he is like the most vulnerable to the dark side and Whereas Luke, I mean, it, like, Ben is his nephew. Like, I don't know how much he was, like, worried about the quote-unquote Vader in him, like Snoke likes to say. So maybe it was, like, my only, like, reaction to the difference of, like, Yoda, like, encouraging Luke to go into the cave and being, like, it's going to show, like the cave is a manifestation, like, of the dark side, and, like, it's going to show you things that, like, you might not want to see, and if you want to go in there, like, you can, but, like, I, like, that's what's gonna happen, whereas, like, Luke's much more, like, visceral, like, knee-jerk reaction to Rey, like, even just acknowledging the dark side and Luke, like, just completely flips out, and I wonder if, which, again, this is very much, like, retroactively applying characterization to characters but like if we're just looking at it in the grand scheme of things and not thinking about like the production side of it I guess but like looking at it as a as a whole story I wonder if that's maybe the difference between the two that like Luke was just burned a lot more by Ben's mm-hmm. betrayal that Yoda was by Anakin's because I think there was a part yeah. of Yoda that was always prepared and kind of always knew what Anakin's path was going to be. It was one of those things where, like, yeah. he, he hoped that it wasn't going to happen that way, and he hoped that, like, he could do what he could to try and steer him away from that, but he kind of also knew that, like, there's a real chance that this is inevitable, that, like, he's going to turn to the dark side, whereas I don't think that Luke 
had that mentality about his own nephew. No. And so I wonder if that um, just is maybe the difference in those two reactions where Yoda, because we've, I mean, we've seen Yoda, I mean, in, in the, like, Netflix Clone Wars Yoda arc, you see him not necessarily be like tempted by the dark side but you kind of see how like close his relationship and how much he understands the dark side just by being 900 years old and being so in tune with the force like he knows what like what it looks like and kind of has a a he's he's able to have a closer relationship with the dark side without it like overtaking him and he understands how to balance that and so maybe he is like trying to encourage Luke to do the same and to like get to the same point where he can do that um but yeah no I just I I thought it was super interesting watching this this time looking at the difference between their Yoda and Luke's reaction to their pupil like acknowledging and going towards the dark side yeah i definitely do agree that not to say that yoda's like completely removed himself but there's not nearly as much personal stake in the situation of whether or not their pupil goes to the dark side yeah when it comes to yoda versus luke because with yoda yoda's like if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen whatever kind of attitude about it and there's kind of that like already built in detachment of the jedi order yeah exactly like that yoda's very much internalized by that point yeah and it's just like if it's going to happen it's going to happen like paths are set in stone and with luke i think luke does to an extent acknowledge that but then he's also like this can't go this way because this is my nephew And I cannot possibly allow my nephew, my sister's son, to go down this path. So I think he's, I think even if he did see it or even if he did detect it as early as he did, he just, he just was like, no, I can fix this. You know, I can, I can solve this. And it's just one of those things where, you know, it it happens and, you know, there, there was stake in it and it happened and... Obviously, like, the personal the personal attachment to it makes it so much different. Um, and so, yeah, I absolutely agree that that plays a huge role in the difference between Luke's reaction versus Yoda's reaction. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But I also do think, yeah, it's definitely... And we even see it when Yoda's giving, like, his luminous being speech, but it's like what the Jedi are idealized to be versus what they actually are, where we see them. And it's just, you know, they're built upon this idealization of, you know, uh, like, there's all these traits that are assigned to them. Um, Like, the peacekeepers and, you know, how they're connected to the Force and all these things. But we really don't see them in that, like, zen, um, in that zen space. We see them as warriors and as, um, you know, these people, these beings with lightsabers and, you know, and, you know, protectors of the galaxy. And so I think it's that contrast of, that, that, that reoccurring contrast of what the Jedi idealize to be versus what they actually are and, 
how it's flawed and how it's hard to realistically be what they want to be because with all their ideals and with their mission to be how they want to be it's just not realistic and I think we really see that in this movie as well yeah um I do want to talk but speaking of like Luke going into that cave like what do you like, what do you think it means? Like, that his, like, cave vision of, like, seeing Vader, like, cutting off, you know, cutting open the mask and it being, like, Luke's face inside. Like, is it just him, like, is it, like, a force? I mean, there's definitely an element of foreshadowing there that, like, Luke is, you know, Vader is your father. But is it, like, Luke could succumb to the dark? Like, if Luke succumbs to the dark side, like, that is his fate? Or, like, what do you, like... I just know that a lot of people, like, try to explain the cave scene. And it's one of those things which, like, is part of the discourse around Empire Strikes Back. That, like, if you don't get the cave scene, then, like, I don't know. People are dumb. Um, but, yeah. like, what do you, what like, what, what do you think the cave scene is? I think, obviously, yes. Foreshadowing, of course. I think that... It's a way of showing Luke, and this might be a reach, but... Go for it. I I mean, it's honestly, like, a pretty pretty neutral thing to say, but I feel like, obviously, you know, at this point, in this movie, we haven't seen Anakin yet. You know, if you're watching these movies as they're being released, Anakin in the prequels does not exist. But, as of today, we're able to make this comparison. I think, as you're watching the prequels from the beginning... You see Anakin, and you know what's going to happen, but you see him, and you think this person, you know, has genuine good in them, and, you know, wants to do good, wants to be a great Jedi, wants to be a Jedi Master, wants to do all these things, and eventually succumbs and falls to the dark side, and and that, and that's not to say that he's all bad or all good, because obviously a people people are... People have layers. People are multifaceted. But, you know, ultimately he does fall to the dark side. I think it's to show Luke that while right now, as it stands, Luke is good and he's learning from Yoda. But I think that it does show him that everybody does have that capacity to be overcome by a singular side, if you will. Or a singular, um, maybe, like, desire Um, whether that be for power or, you know, what have you. But I think it's just to show that it's like, you know, multiple, multiple characteristics reside within everybody. Everybody has a little good. Everybody has a little bad. It's just, you know, how you balance it and how you find that balance and how you lead your life. Now, obviously, Luke is not this 100% pure baby angel, like, he is great, but, like, there are things that, you know, that he experiences or the ways that he reacts that probably isn't, like, the Jedi way, if you will. But I think it's just to show that everybody has ultimately, like, that in them. And to maybe, maybe it's a warning for him. Like, hey, you know, be aware, like, on this journey that you're about to take to become a Jedi. Just be aware because your father started the same journey not thinking this would ever happen to him, and he fell to the dark side. And now he's Darth Vader. 
Yeah. So just be aware because this is in your blood. And just by nature of that alone, you have, you know, the, you're like inclined more so to um, explore those desires. So I think it's mainly a warning for him. Yeah. Um, Because I just, like, when you look, it's just like who, like, when you're watching the prequels, obviously we know what's going to happen, but like, if we didn't know, it would have been a huge shock, you know? Because, like, you just don't... If you just, like, if you if you forget everything you know from the original movies, you would not... You would just be shocked. Yeah. Because it's just, like, it is, like, a shock. So, I think it is to just show, like, things can go either way. And to yeah. just be aware of that happening. Yeah. Um, I, I think, think, I think, I think it could go deeper, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think know. there's also, like, I mean, we never really, like... Luke never says it, like, in so many words. Um, But, like, you have to imagine that there's some, like, part of Luke that wants to confront Vader again because of, like, he watched Vader kill Obi-Wan. Like, there had, like, even if he's not like, oh, I want revenge in the same way that, like, Anakin does, like, you can imagine that that's probably something like he wants to confront vader and i think that part of that vision is like kind of the force telling him like you confronting vader like will make you more vulnerable like it's not going to like it may eventually make you stronger but like that's going to put you in a very vulnerable place that Mm -hmm. like that like it's one of those things where it's like you don't necessarily know like what what you think you want is not always what you think you want not always what you actually need and so just kind of I think it's one of those for the force kind of showing him like I think that could be a part of it is just that like listen you know you you get what you want and he does like he does he he confronts Vader in at the end of this movie like very famously confronts Vader and it is, like, earth-shattering for him, not just in the way that, like, he physically loses the battle, in the way that, like, it it changes his whole perception of his entire identity. Like, and Luke has mm-hmm. no way, like, I think that Luke could possibly, like, could feasibly imagine, like, yeah, I can imagine a, like, fight with Vader ending with me getting my hand cut off. Like, I can see him physically overpowering me, you know? Like, I think that, that he can walk through. But, like, the just, like, the mental and emotional repercussions of that fight, like, he has no way of anticipating. And I think that this is a little bit of a warning for that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I That scene is so interesting. And I'm really glad that we get that in this movie. Yeah. Um, especially with all the character development that we get, it just really ties hand-in-hand hand with all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also get the introduction of arguably one of the best characters in Star Wars canon, and that is Billy Dee Williams playing Lando Calrissian in this movie. He also and... had one of, like, the greatest, like, setups before you even meet the character. Like, yes. just the dialogue yes. in that scene on the, like, Falcon with Leia and Chewie and Han is just so great. First of all, they yes. just, like, turn off C-3PO because he's being such a little shit and no one wants to hear him anymore, which, like, I appreciate <laughs> mood but also like you just have like it's just kind of this perfect like foreshadowing and perfect like setting up 
like your expectations of what this character and his relationship to like Han and as like Chewie is going to be and just the like oh like Lando and like Tyler like oh like Lando's a person like oh you'd like him like this stuff and you just like hear Chewie make a little comment and be like well I'm sure he's forgotten all about that you know I'm sure yes. we're fine kind of thing and it's just like literally mm, perfect chef's kiss like set up to meet a character like perfect also it's just like so funny that like that is like han's consistent mood like i'm sure they've forgiven me by now and it's just like no right <laughs> like, <laughs> like that is han all the time han's just like i mean i'm sure i'm fine and chewie's just like no no <laughs> chewie's like chewie's like what are you on like what right like I also I- like no one else <laughs> understands like Shriwook, who's like ever with them so like whenever they're like on adventures like you know like Chewie is just constantly like talking shit to Han it's just like dude you're so dumb like yes you- no what are you doing oh my but, he- God, but yes. Hans can just be like mm-hmm, it's fine I th- I'm sure I'm fine I'm totally fine I'm-, I'm totally fine yeah and they're like w- and they're like what did he say and Han can literally say anything and I'm just right? like what <laughs> like I just oh my oh, god it's so good man. it's so good um love again love the outfits on bespin so good so good so so good like just like top and then like just yeah lando just walking out like first of all just like the second that he is on stage like that he comes onto screen like just the energy that billy d williams just exudes is just like iconic and just like imbues lando with like every ounce of that and just has this like swagger and like oh lando's just so great and so is billy d williams and just the like initial angry reaction and then like the hug instead and like oh it's just so good (laughs) it's so good um and this is where we also we get to see, there are, obviously there's, like I said, there's layers and there's multitudes to people. We get to see Darth Vader on Bespin because Lando, you know, unfortunately set up a trap for them. Um, because, I mean, like, hey, gotta get your coin, die? I guess. Yeah, I, okay. <laughs> did anyone die? No. Okay, so die? let's calm down. Yeah, did anyone die? No. But we also get to see another villain, and it's a villain that I've truly never understood the fascination with, and that's Boba Fett. So, um, I... Here's my thing, like, at Jon Favreau, if you're so intent on, like, the Mandalorian not being Boba Fett, like, why did you not only make the Mandalorian look, like, essentially the exact same outfit like yes they are different but like they are it's like a different color it's like saying that like captain marvel's like green suit and her red white and blue suit are like totally different things like she just changed the colors like it's the exact same thing 
And they yeah. have, like, another, like, IG murder droid. Like, you made them look exactly the same. So, like, don't be mad when everyone gets so confused because they're not, like, so tuned in to, like, Star Wars that they don't know that your show isn't about Boba Fett. Because, like, that's on you. And that is the tea, honestly. Um, yeah, I just, like, I remember, I just remember, and, like, absolutely absolutely no shade to people who love mandalorian like i no, no. like it's just we not are also my yeah it's it's not like my particular niche in star wars i do i get it though but i i distinctly remember being in like junior high or high school and asking one of my friends who their favorite star wars character was and she said boba fett and i was just so like taken aback like wait what <laughs> like it just, like, stunned me because I, like, to me, that's just, like, not, like, like, not in my, like, mind is, like, a favorite Star Wars character, but to each their own, you know? I just, um, I just don't understand, like, he's just such a throwaway character. Like, I know. Like, he has, like, five lines combined in, like, Empire Strikes Back and Return to the Jedi. Like, I just, I don't understand, like someone go ahead and explain it to me like i don't like is it just built on like the like be, but here's the thing like i was gonna like i was gonna say like is it just built on like the hype of like kind of like extended universe stuff where like people expanded on that character but like also like it's a favorite character of people who are like not like super plugged into star wars like that's a character like if you are only like a pretty surface level fan like you you aren't super active in like getting very plugged into star wars like boba fett is a name that you know and just like why i don't understand how we got to this place as a star wars society and i'm just i need to like do research on like why boba fett got to be like in the space of like icon that he got to be because it truly makes no sense to me yeah, I I agree. I mean, yeah, it's not like my favorite thing, but hey, you know. Yeah, like, and it's not like he's a bad character. Every- it's not like he's like. It's just that like I don't under like I do not see enough meat there as a character to merit everything that's happening. Also. Captain Phasma is a sequel trilogy version of Boba Fett, but some of y'all ain't ready to have that conversation yet, so. For real? Like, I say that, I say that with a heavy heart, because I had the highest of hopes for Captain Phasma. So, like, I say that sadly. Um, but, and in, in continuing... In continuing with the theme of iconic Han and Leia scenes, this is the movie with the I love you, I know scene, which is incredibly iconic in Star Wars. Incredibly, incredibly iconic. Um, I think think after, like, Luke, I am your father, or yes, I am your father, like, I love you, I know is probably, like, the next, like, known, like, quote that isn't, like, may the force be with you, like... Yeah, no, it's it's so good, and I think that, honestly, the I know response is, like, is the, like, people, I don't know, some people might interpret that as, like, oh, like, a passive response. No, that is literally, like, 
for Han, for Han to acknowledge to, and uh, and accept that Leia does love him and to say that to her, to say, I know that you love me, is him saying, I love you back. Like, for him to acknowledge that is him saying, I love you. Like, that is, I love you. Oh, in, yeah. in In Han language, in Han speak. So, that to me... And, like, and it, and and like didn't, like... I might be making this up. I'm gonna go for it anyway. Didn't, like, um, Harrison Ford... Like, it was supposed to be, like, I love you and I love you too. And Harrison Ford was the one who was, like, the Han wouldn't say that. Well, yeah, that's that's what I, I mean. Like, it's it's so true to the... I mean, it would make sense because it's so true to character. Like, it's so true to character. Like, that moment is so Han. Like, it's it's peak Han. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important. Like, we talked about how, like, they have been, like, <laughs> running for their lives, like, and still bantering with each other. Like, the stakes have been pretty damn high and they're still, like going back and forth, like, exchanging words. But, like, there's no Han and Leia, like, Han and Leia banter in this scene. Like, it's one of those things where it's, like, you know, when they're stuck in the asteroid, when they're, like, actually stuck in, like, an actual, like, space worm. Like, it's one of those things where, like, this is a tough scrape, but, like, we kind of always get out of these. So, like, it's high stakes, but high stakes that you're pretty sure you can still win. But here it's, like, you have been betrayed by someone who's supposed to be your friend and, like, Vader is here. And, like, Vader is about to try, like, they can hear, like, like, Vader and, like, they're having conversations about their plans right in front of, like, Leia and Han. Like, they know what the plan is and, like, A, the plan is terrifying and, like, that's, like, really like sombers everything up but also like if they're talking about their plan in front of you like they really don't care like they don't think you're gonna make it like yeah and so like there's just like this more like somber like they know like these are really like these are stakes that are high that like there isn't like a feasible way for us to get out of this right now and like as soon as like that switch flips like you see han like truly at his like biggest of hearts because he's just automatically like making sure that everyone will be taken care of if he's not there and it's just like chewy like i trust you and like you know he already has this like such an established relationship with chewbacca that he can just say like i need you to take care of leia like i need you to take care of the princess and just like that line alone just like breaks my freaking heart but like just he han can just be like you need to take care of the princess like i can't that's not something i can do anymore and that's the something that is important to me and i need you to do that yep. for me and like i like yeah i know that this hurts but like this is not the time to and it like it, like chewie tries to like fight and like try you know like and han's just han just recognizes like he knows when there's a time to fight and he will even stretch that to its limits but he knows when like he knows when fighting is going to make every like make it significantly worse, and that's where he, yeah. he's like, "You trying to fight and break out will get you hurt or killed. It will get Leia hurt or killed, and it's not even like it will get me hurt or killed. It's just it's the two of you, and these are basically the only two people I care about in the world, other than Luke, and like I cannot like it's almost like a, I cannot in good conscience get into like that carbonite." without knowing that you got you two are going to be okay 
He's like, because he can't control yep. Luke. He's like, Luke's his own person. Luke's a Jedi. He's a mind of his own. Like, I, he can't do anything about Luke. So he controls what he can control in that situation, which is Chewie and Leia. And just, like, making sure they're going to be okay. And then telling Leia that, you know, in his own way, that he loves her. And it's just this, like, you know, he doesn't actually, actually have any control whether or not he gets into the carbonite. But he's like, I'm going to make sure you guys are okay before <laughs> anything else happens. And it just breaks my heart (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah i it's oh my goodness yeah it's a lot it's a lot a lot um but i love that like honestly one of like the last memorable moments of this movie and i I'm not the one who made this connection. Brooklyn's the one who made this connection. I'm giving credit where credit is very much so due. <laughs> very much so due. Because it's so funny to me. But we see that, like, Lando's wearing Han's clothes. And Brooklyn mentioned that it's similar to Ryan and Chad from High School Musical. So where my Disney Channel stands at. Because, <laughs> like, this is like, important. <laughs> there is no straight explanation for this. I'm just saying. <laughs> Why are you wearing Truly. your boyfriend's clothes? <laughs> truly. Truly, but, truly, yeah, truly. And, like, it's just this, like... Also, like, I just love, like... Chewie and Leia. Like, as soon as, like... Lando, like, helps them break out. And is like, alright, I have a plan. Like, we're gonna get you out of here. Like, I couldn't save Han, but I can save the two of you. And Chewie's just like no (laughs) he just like chokes him and they're both just like bitch we will leave you like you're the reason this happened we can get out on our own like goodbye and like they're very ready to leave him until like they decide to let him stay but it's so funny to me that like both Chewie and Leia both have such a big big like I will cut a bitch energy once like Han is gone and it's great yes and (gasps) we basically like end the movie on a rebel like like seeing a rebel fleet which is just like the best like the the best best ending and it provides like the perfect wrap-up like it's a very it's a very um like on brand ending for empire strikes back if you will like it's extremely empire strikes back in the most way like in every way possible um but it just makes an amazing it makes for an amazing movie like empire strikes back is incredible it is that great middle chapter and it's I mean, so memorable it tr- it and it really like it changes everything it really like, does it, no it like, honest, the honestly way does. it like it changes where the story is going it like gives us more about this universe and i mean the biggest change of all is we find out that like the villain is the father to our hero. Like, it is, like, this crazy giant reveal, you know? And, like, you have this whole, like, heartbreaking scene with, like, when Luke knows that, like, you know, that this is a trap. Like, he knows it's a trap, and he's fine. And he's like, I need to go save Han and Leia. And, like, you just see, like, Obi-Wan and Yoda, like, having to watch him go and i'm sure that must just be like so devastating for the two of them like having watched anakin do the exact same thing of like i have people that i love and i'm willing to risk it all to save them and they're like yeah the last time this happened like it was vader 
And yep. like having to watch that happen. And then you have that whole fight, which is like, again, like talking about changing everything, like the, like Obi-Wan and Vader's fight in A New Hope, even just Two Empire Strikes Back alone is just a world of difference. Like with every single like Star Wars movie that comes out, the lightsaber fights just get better and better and better. Like it's just part of like the advent of technology and how like they're constantly making it easier and more feasible to like put together a lightsaber fight but like it is such a good one and like that like just shot of just like you're just even seeing like their outlines and just the lightsabers crossing each other like all the lighting is just it's so good and then like you have like your hero gets like defeated in the end like the the movie ends with like Luke getting his hand cut off and then finding out that, like, Vader is his father. Which, like, even, like, James Earl Jones, like, has said, like, when he read the line, he was like, I thought he was lying. Like, I did not think it was real. Like, it, like, it was just such, you know, it was, it's, like, one of those, like, most well-guarded secrets. Like, it was, like, George and, like, Irving Kirshner, who directed the movie, and Lulu, and, not Lou, Mark Hamill, like, it was the three of them who knew, and it was nobody else. And, like, there's, like, Mark Hamill tells the story, like, tells the story of being in the, like, Empire Strikes Back premiere, and when that line happens, like, Harrison Ford, like, turns to him, and he's like, you didn't fucking tell me that, like, what's going (laughs) on? Like, in the premiere is when they found out, like, it was, like, one of, kind of, the first, like, Hollywood kept secrets like now it's just kind of like known like all kind of this genre of movies is like has a big spoiler reveal or something but like this was kind of like the OG of just like I am your father and it just like it breaks everything and like you mean we see like even after he gets back onto the Falcon like you see Luke and Vader like being able to talk to each other like through the force and just be like still like acknowledging that it's true and like then going from there and just like how broken Luke is from that and like I just think it's it's such a narratively interesting choice to end the movie with like something that not only like leaves your hero defeated leaves like your other hero like don't even know if he's like you know he's alive but like he is stuck in like carbonite and like it's and like the information revealed like doesn't just break luke like it kind of breaks the audience as a like to know this fact and so it's just this like just total like bold move to end with i am your father which ends up being you know that is a key element to star wars is the idea of family and the idea of this connectedness and this i mean it's called the skywalker saga like it is about this family but this is the first time we even get an inkling that that's what this whole thing is about Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah i i think after like really discussing this movie i think that i think that the reason a lot of people return to this or would say that this is their favorite is because there's so many classic Star Wars elements in this movie. Like, this really has everything that, like, a classic Star Wars movie or, like, 
you know, a well-rounded Star Wars movie would have. It has all the classic elements. It has amazing character development. It has the banging outfits. It has the amazing score. It has the romance. It has the plot twists. It has the fight scenes and like it has everything. It has everything that you would want in a Star Wars movie and I think that that's why people find themselves returning to it is because it is so well-rounded. Um, I don't know if that's the case for everyone and also I mean like it has a lot of things for- Star Wars has, a, has something for everyone. So there's a chance that there's at least something in this movie that intrigues you. For me, if I'm being honest, it really is the romance between Han and Leia that keeps me coming back because I really like that. But the movie as a whole is great. But um, yeah, I I think that, that would be my guess as to why it's a universally recognized favorite movie. But why would, like, if you had to guess, Brooklyn, what would you say if you had to, like, try to pinpoint the reason of why this is so many people's favorite Star Wars movie? So this is, like, why I wanted to ask, because I really, truly have never understood... I, I have always really loved and enjoyed Empire Strikes Back. I have always, like, thought it was a great movie, but it has never been, like... I don't know that there's ever been a point where I was like, oh, Empire Strikes Back is my favorite movie. Um, I think... I really only think that, like, the times that I have said... Like, oh, Empire Strikes Back is my favorite were times when I felt, like, insecure within my own fandom and, like, felt like it was, like, a I needed to prove myself. Like, I don't know that I've ever truly been, like, oh, Empire Strikes is my, is, Empire Strikes Back is my favorite. And it really has been just, like, a, like, oh, if that's, which there are, there is kind of that narrative, like, if you if you don't have Empire Strikes Back as your favorite movie, like, if you don't think that that's the best Star Wars movie, then, like, you don't really get Star Wars. Like, they're not, obviously not everyone is like this, but, like, there is a section of, like, fandom and discourse that is, like, oh, well, you just don't get it. You just, like, you, like, you aren't intellectual enough. Like, the same way with, like, the, you know, Force Cave scene. Like, if you don't already know, then, like, you're hopeless or like you don't get it which for me is kind of almost like turned me off of it being my favorite movie just because which like I do really still love this movie but like you know there's that that leaves kind of like not even necessarily a bad taste in my mouth like even that's a little bit too strong but just kind of like a roll my eyes like oh my god somebody can have a different favorite movie and it's okay and they're still a Star Wars fan kind of thing but like I don't really un- like I have never understand uh, understood why Empire Strikes Back is this kind of, like, unequivocal, like, universally revered as the best movie. Like, I really never understood, like, what was it about this movie? Like, what was it, like, the way the, like, it, like, what made it tick in the way that, like, made it to be this, like, pedestal of what Star Wars is and should and could be? Like, I, I mean we've spent this whole episode talking about how how much we love this movie and how great it is but like I nothing about that makes me like view it as this like it like there's is almost this like Empire Strikes Back like superiority complex of like this is the end all and be all of Star Wars which I just don't really like 
prescribe to that like idea at all um and i'm not saying that if empire strikes back is your favorite movie that you like prescribe to that at all like i don't think you do but like i don't know like i never really like quote unquote got it like why this is so like why it's almost a fact that like empire strikes back is the best yeah I I love it so much because it really establishes the relationship between Han and Leia. Um yeah. and that to me like like that is one of the most important parts in Star Wars for me or what like really draws me in. So um I guess that's why I love it so much. I also just love the like I love all the parts that we everything that we see of Leia is great. And oh yeah. For for her, from her character specifically this movie she really shines in it and yeah that, i mean that's a I, really good point yeah and I, and i think that that's why i return to it so frequently um i know that there are so many things in this movie that you can love like if you love the dynamic between luke and yoda i can see you returning to this movie a lot if you love like the dynamic between luke and vader i can see you returning to this movie a lot but i i just specifically really like romance in star wars and I find myself returning to this movie a lot because of that. Um, but I don't know. I just think it's very well-rounded. Um, but it's also, I just, it's one of those, like, staple Star Wars movies. But I also just, like, I don't think I, I really liked it even before I knew that, like, it was, like, supposedly, quote-unquote, the movie to like. Yeah. Like, the movie to be, like, I, I liked it a lot before I even knew that that was, like, the case. Right. Um, so I, but I never, like, really let that influence me just because I'm, like, if I like it, great. If I don't, whatever, you know? Like, or if it's, like, because it's just, like, there's something for everyone and this movie might not be your thing, you know? And that's fine. Exactly. Um, And here's the thing about, like, rankings or the best and stuff like that. Yes. But definitionally, it just is a subjective thing. And so, like... Yep. Empire Strikes Back <laughs> might be your favorite movie for, you know, a myriad of reasons. And it might be, you know, the it, it may very well even be the most common favorite movie. That doesn't necessarily mean it's, like, the end-all be-all the best, you know? And yep. the Star Wars fandom is vast and wide and covers so many people of so many varying levels of, like, activity within star wars that like i i promise you like out of eight movies like every single one is someone's favorite and not just someone like many people's favorites like yep and that's just the way the world works that's just how it goes so yeah i love empire strikes back um and it is you are more than welcome to have it as your favorite but you it is not some kind of fandom like test or benchmark that like you get or understand empire strikes back enough that it is your favorite movie it can just be your favorite movie without that yeah exactly and i think that it's really like interesting to talk about this movie i mean i know we've already made parallels to the last jedi um in this episode, but when The Last Jedi came out, I remember seeing screenshots, um, or, like, pictures of reviews, um, of 
Empire Strikes Back when The Last Jedi came out. And the parallel between the language used to describe each of these movies it was so similar. Um, but I think that that's kind of par for the course, considering both of those movies are the middle chapter. Yeah. So I think it's kind of hard to avoid that just by nature of these movies being the middle chapter where there is characters established, but there also is a long road ahead. And there's obviously going to be a lot of ambiguity at the very end of the movie. Exactly. So, a middle chapter is always hard. You have to continue the storylines that you already had in the first one. You have to introduce new characters to keep the story fresh. You have to like move the story along, but then you also can't finish up your storylines because if if at least you're working in like a trilogy format which is how it goes for star wars like because there's still another movie like you can't wrap everything up with a perfect bow so but yeah that's something that's so interesting to me is that like with empire strikes back now being kind of lauded as like this movie masterpiece everyone like thinks that it is this um like you know, it's the best in it. Like, we just were just talking about it. It's, like, the superior movie. It was not always that way. Like, it, when it came out, it had, like, very mixed reviews. Like, it was, like, some people were like, yeah, it was a good movie. And some people were like, what the hell was that? That was not good. And, like, I want to read some of, so I'm, I will link this in the description of the pod, uh, of this episode. But, um, this is an article off of, starwars.com it's from uh 2014 but it is just kind of a collection of like reviews about um reviews of the empire strikes back from when it came out and it's just kind of this total like just like showing that like it wasn't we didn't always talk about empire strikes back the way that it was uh and the first i mean the one that like is so the first one that um I wanted to talk about was from the New York Times um, and it was published on June 15th in 1980 by Vincent Canby and he wrote The Empire Strikes Back is not a truly terrible movie. It's a nice movie. It's not by any means as nice as Star Wars. It's not as fresh and funny and surprising and witty but it is nice and inoffensive in a way that no one associated with it need be ashamed of. It's also silly. Attending to it is a lot like reading the middle of a comic book. It is amusing in fitful patches, but you're likely to find more beauty, suspense, discipline, craft, and art when watching a New York Harbor pilot bring the Queen Elizabeth II into her Hudson River birth, which is what the Empire Strikes Back reminds me most of. It's a big, expensive, time-consuming, essentially mechanical operation. The Empire Strikes Back is about as personal as a Christmas card from a bank. <laughs> oh <Which> my god. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just really cracks me up. Like, just the extended metaphor is just, like, I applaud your writing, sir. <laughs> but, like, it's so funny because, like, based, like, the review, this review of this movie basically says the empire strikes back is everything like is the opposite of everything that we now love the empire strikes back for like it says like it's not funny it's not as witty 
or like fresh as Star Wars was. Like it's not personal in any way. We're like now when we're looking at it, it's like no, it like expands the characters and all of this stuff. But like this guy just was not having it. He was <laughs> It makes me like really wonder too. Like, because obviously we're looking at Empire Strikes Back through the lens of now we currently have, we're almost on our ninth Star Wars movie. So yeah, it makes me, wa- it makes me wonder how The Last Jedi is going to age and if it will age in the same way that The Empire Strikes Back has aged. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's, I think it'll be interesting to see how The Last Jedi transforms in the wake of The Rise of Skywalker and in the wake of future Star Wars content we get, and also in the wake of just us kind of, you know, letting the dust settle a little bit and looking at it objectively and just being, you know, I I just... Because people want to, you know, demonize the movie or to criticize all these different things, and... It's very, very similar to the criticisms that Empire Strikes Back got, and now look at it. Empire Strikes Back is, like, the literal golden child of the Star Wars canon. So... Yeah. And I also I, I also wonder, like, just as much as, like, how is The Last Jedi going to age, but, like, how much does having, like, Return of the Jedi to complement Empire Strikes Back, and then, you know, 20 years, 20 years later, how does having the prequel trilogy reflect on empire strikes back like is this something that just kind of with time like as we learned more of the story it became more elevated and we saw more of it i mean like even when we were talking about it today like we were bringing things in to this story and these elements that like we wouldn't have known in 1980 when this movie came out so like how much does that affect our like the kind of almost like mythos around the empire strikes back that it is like it's i mean every star the 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 whenever a new star wars movie comes out it changes aspects of every single other star wars movie when you rewatch it like that's just the like a principle of star wars so i just wonder how much like having you know the more movies we got how much that changed how we see Empire Strikes Back as well. Because, like, you wouldn't know... Like, there's so much you don't know. If all you have is Star Wars... All you have is A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, like, there's so much you don't know. And I wonder if, like, because you are catching those things, like, with... In in kind of a retrospective, and you are, you, you are catching details and things, and you know what's going to happen... Like, how much does that enhance our watching of Empire Strikes Back? Because, like, for me, I don't remember a time watching Empire Strikes Back when I didn't know how the story ends. Like, I don't have a memory of that. So, like, how does that change how we view Empire Strikes Back? And, like, we kind of can't know. Like, you know, unless we're, like, if we're we're in, because we're both in the same boat here. Like, we don't have a way of being, like well, let me think about it without anything else. Like, we, we, like, physically can't unwrap everything else from that story. And so I just wonder how much, like, that is also, like, retroactively affecting how much we're, what we're seeing in this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see 
how the dialogue surrounding The Last Jedi changes after the final chapter of this trilogy comes out in December. Um, because I do think that it'll change. And I think that, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, like, put, I'm not gonna say, like, that they have to be, that every middle chapter has to be on the same level, but I do think that, you know, I know a lot of people who came in, who were introduced to Star Wars through the sequel trilogy, and out of the two movies that have been released, like, they've, obviously, they've gone on to watch all the other Star Wars movies, but The Last Jedi, for a lot of people, is their favorite movie. Yeah. Or a lot of people that I've spoken to, and so... I, you know, that is, like, the sequel trilogy stands version of, you know, loving the, loving Empire Strikes Back or, you know, being loving Attack of the Clones if you're, like, a prequel baby out there. Um, but, yeah, I, I really think that I'm really curious to see how the dialogue is going to shift, especially considering how much it's shifted for Empire Strikes Back in yeah. the now 40, almost 40 years that it's been released. Yeah. Um... So I, I want to read. That'll be really interesting. This, so this next quote is from the Daily Telegraph, and I want to put in perspective: this came out May twenty third of nineteen eighty. So this is two days after the Empire Strikes Back come comes out and is released into theaters. And we were just talking about like how much more information there is to come. But the first sentence of this excerpt is they assure us that their latest offering is only episode five in a nine part saga and that although we haven't yet had the first three parts they will all reach us in good time and like first of all it's insane that like we are a hundred days from that final piece in this nine part saga but also like i mean we talked about like you know, George Lucas and his, you know, foreplanning and talking about, you know, the sort of salient details of, you know, connections between characters and stuff like that. And, like, there definitely is a lot of, you know, analysis and jokes to be made about that. But at the same time, like, he, like, they knew what he wanted to do. Like, he knew. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, and I'm not in any way saying that, like, you know, in 1980, George Lucas, like, had a concept of, like, Rey as a character or Kylo Ren or any of that. Like, that is not what I'm saying at all. But, like, this was always the plan, which is kind of insane yeah. to me. Because, like, yeah. for me, I was never, like, connected into, like, the discourse around Star Wars. Like, I mean, I, like, I promise you there are people who like always knew that it was going to be a nine-part saga and like they were waiting for that and counting on that but like for me it was like a total and complete surprise that like we were gonna get a sequel trilogy like the disney bought lucasfilm and like all of this stuff but like in some like on some level like maybe production wise that wasn't always the plan but like this was always the plan and not just to have the original trilogy be like the first part like it's it not just says like a nine-part saga like it's episode five of a nine-part saga like he always knew the placement of like where these stories were happening within the skywalker saga and like i i mean it's really just blowing my mind i think that it's 
kind of wild to think about that, especially in the sense that, because I talked to, I've talked to my parents about it, and I've also talked to my grandparents about it, and the thing that they always mention is the fact that when you watch that first movie, when you watch A New Hope, you can just tell that the world that's meant to be created or the the space in which you're occupying with these characters is so much larger than anything you could even fathom and you get that sense from the very first movie like it's not like the, it's not like a thing where he made this movie and it did well and he was like oh well now I have to come up with everything else no he he knew like and 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 that feeling is very evident from the very first movie which is kind of wild and kind of crazy that you know he he knew in advance to make sure that that was apparent because ultimately you know like this movie you know like it was like it was experimental when it came out and I mean, like, there, there, when, when there is a movie that comes out, there's really no guarantee of how it's going to do. Like, you can't guarantee that it's going to do well. So, for him to, like, have this foreplanning for all of this is, it's honestly a testament to his creativity and his genius. And I'm just glad that he gave us this massive, massive galaxy that we can explore. Oh, um, yeah. And I think that, like, that was so even, cool. like, the point, like, I mean... George Lucas, like, said, like, over and over again, just, you know, like, that he wanted Star Wars to have, like, this very lived-in feel. And, like... Yes. You... I mean, the the most common, um... You know, there's always, like, the Star Trek versus Star Wars kind of description. And it... You know, which PSA, you can like both. It's not hard. Um, they're both <laughs> they're both in space and that's kind of the end of their like similarities. They just have very different parallels and themes, and you can love both and it's fine. But so I mean Star Trek aired four year nope, like ten and eleven years before Star Wars did. So like you already yep. had this kind of like and again, Star Trek is a very different like genre of you know science i mean it is very much more truly science fiction in a way that star wars really is not science fiction at all it's at best yeah. a science fantasy but absolutely um you have this you know part of the part about star trek was like it is a literal like continuation of our own society and so it's this idea of you know everything is supposed to look like really pristine and in like really good condition and like it has this very like classic sci-fi feel about it very like you know just the very classic sci-fi um and like that is not what george lucas wanted at all like he he wanted it to be this like very lived in he's like i want you to think people you know have been like i want you to think that you know he's had hans had the millennium falcon for a really long time and like you know people have been living on this planet for like hundreds of thousands of years kind of thing and Mm -hmm. it is you know 
that's like an integral part of Star Wars is this lived in quality that and and I think it really brings a humanity in it. And I'm not saying that Star Trek doesn't have humanity. It very much does. And it's just manifesting in a different way. But I think a lot of the humanity in Star Wars comes from, you know, this inherent lived in feel that makes these movies like... They're real people. I mean, they're not, but, like, they're real people in these stories. And, like, that comes from this sense of, like, you're only seeing a part of the story. And that's, you know, that's something that, like, George Lucas has said. Like, you know, he wanted a new hope to feel like a sliver of this story. And he was like, this is not the beginning. This is not the end. We're jumping in the middle (laughs) of a grand story. And, you know, we're hitting the ground running you know so to speak and it's just kind of this like you know beautiful very star warsian feel there was something about um it was an article or something and they were talking about like the costume design of star wars or like production design basically like how to make something and the question was like what makes something feel like star wars and i actually think it was in the beginning of um the art of the last jedi book i believe and it was ryan johnson writing about it um and he just says like what makes something start he's like you can he's like if you i think it was like if you want to slow production down like ask somebody what make ask like go into a lucasfilm like production room and ask someone what makes it feel like star wars and he's like and then all <laughs> yeah. everything will stop and you will get like you'll be arguing for like 15 20 minutes and he's like and it all boils down to it feels like star wars because it feels like star wars and there's just this inherent quality to it of like it's star wars cuz it feels like star wars and like that's part of why we love it yeah yeah absolutely i i completely agree and i would be one of those people just droning on and on honestly um but yeah this that that is our discussion about empire strikes back that is why that's all the things we love about it all the things that we might be confused about i.e the cave scene um we're occasionally ranting about c-3po but that's like not exclusive to empire strikes back um but now man (laughs) Yeah, it's, like, not exclusive to this movie, but it does appear in this episode. It's become um, part of our brand. Whoops. Hey, sorry, not sorry, honestly. Um, but, yeah, I I could talk about this movie for hours and hours and hours, but my schedule does not permit that, so we <laughs> crushed it into this little bite-sized portion for you. Um, but, honestly, this podcast really wouldn't be possible without our patrons that support us month to month and we're so grateful for all of those people that do that I still I've said this once and twice and I'll say it a million more times but I just still am blown away by the fact that people want to financially support us that kind of is like wild to me um but a huge huge thank you to our patrons Fetmatic, Greg, Jonathan, Kayla, Meg, Nick, Carla and Kathy G. Thank you all so much for supporting us on Patreon. We love you so much. And we just love that you were here having these conversations with us about Star Wars and that you're tuning in. And hopefully, 
hopefully we're making you think about things. Hopefully you agree. If you ever disagree, let us know. Like, we would love to have conversations with our listeners about opinions about Star Wars. As long as they're... As long as we can keep it kind of lighthearted, obviously. Um, yeah. But, nice but we... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, let's all be civil about this. I mean, it's fake and in space after all. So let's be civil about it. Um, but yeah, we love the fact that this is, this podcast essentially was born out of having conversation about, about having conversations about Star Wars and wanting to hear people's opinions and thoughts about Star Wars and why they love it so much. So feel free to just let us know. Introduce yourself. Um, and you can introduce yourself um, by coming and following us on Twitter. So our podcast Twitter is at, it's a Star Wars Story podcast at ASWS underscore podcast. So you can go follow us there where we are basically promoting our podcast 24-7, um, but also <laughs> but also interacting. Um, you know, if you reply to one of our tweets, you know, we'll hit you with a reply back. My personal Twitter is at Delaney Organa, Delaney spelled D-E-L-A-N-I-E, Organa spelled how you would spell it. <laughs> and Brooklyn, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at Brooklyn Bound and the O's are zero. So it's B-R-0-0-K-L-Y-N-B-0-U-N-D. Yeah, come hang out with us on social media. Come follow us, come chat with us. We'd love to talk Star Wars with you. Again, let's be civil about it because it's fake and it's in space so let's let's all just chill um it's fake in space yeah so let's let's treat it like what it is um but yeah this is our wrap-up of empire strikes back we're going to continue doing these movie wrap-ups leading up to the rise of skywalker so be tuning in for those in the coming weeks um we hope that you enjoyed this please tune in for our future episodes um and if you ever have any suggestions, anything you'd like to hear us discuss, let us know. Um, we'd love to have a discussion about... We'd love to, we'd love to like, discuss new topics or things that we hadn't maybe considered about, considered talking about. So, shoot us a DM. Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And, as always, may the forest be with you. May the forest be with you. <laughs>